بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم الحمد لله رب العالمين يقص الحق وهو خير الفاصلين وأشهد أن لا إله إلا الله وحده لا شريك له وأشهد أن سيدنا ومولانا محمدا عبده ورسوله إن الله وملائكته يصلون على النبي يا أيها الذين آمنوا صلوا عليه وسلموا تسليما رسالة الشريف اللهم صل على سيدنا محمد وعلى آل سيدنا محمد كما صليت على إبراهيم وعلى آل إبراهيم إنك حميد مجيد اللهم بارك على سيدنا محمد وعلى آل سيدنا محمد كما باركت على إبراهيم وعلى آل إبراهيم إنك حميد مجيد Respected listeners, welcome to the third session Is it third session? Third session of the series on the Islam's greatest personalities We're speaking about the stories of the prophets We started with the story of Adam salam, And this is the third part of the story of Adam alayhi salam. Now, those who are with us over the last two sessions, um, you will have heard that the session we broke it down into like a meal and we attached it to food on a menu. And when I went from here last week in particular, I was in doubt and I was thinking, you know, before somebody sort of um, has a go at me for linking such holy things, because this is, in, in essence, this is the Quran and tafsir of the Quran, isn't it? Because these are verses of the Quran and we're explaining them and discussing them. So this is a session on the tafsir of the Quran, if you look at it in that way. And I thought maybe someone might write an article about me or something saying that this guy's reducing the verses of the Quran to few food and comparing it to food. Anyway, so I, I got a bit worried and uh, I started thinking, you know, how, is there anything that we can link it to? And I vaguely remembered, yes, I do remember coming across a hadith of the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. And upon further searching, Alhamdulillah, this is something that we've got support for. So the guys who love food, uh, a thumbs up for you. The Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam says, Inna hadhal Qur'an ma'dubatullah. Indeed, the Prophet ﷺ said, Indeed, this Quran is the banquet of Allah. It's Allah's dastarkhan. It's the invitation, the food invitation of Allah. This is Allah's banquet. And then he says, min Take whatever you can from the banquet and the table spread of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And in another hadith, Inna hadha al-Quran ma'dubatullah. Indeed, this Quran is a banquet, a table spread at the Starkhan of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Then learn and seek and take whatever items of food, however many courses you can have, as much as possible. Nobody will call you greedy here. This is commendable, this is recommended. Eat as much when you come to this Starkhan, okay? There is no stopping you. The more you can eat, the better. And it's amazing when we go to eat. We eat because it's a need. And we eat, we enjoy what we're eating. And here the Prophet ﷺ is telling us that just like you think your food is necessary for you, this is your necessity. The Quran and its teachings are your necessity. Eat as much as you can over here. So Alhamdulillah, we can carry on with our menus that we've had for each week. So back to our menu. So last two weeks, we had like a starter and a main course and the desserts and everything. You know, sometimes you go to eat and um, you're going out for a steak night. So at that time, you, you kick the starters out, no desserts, 
because the main course is so heavy and it comes with so many sides already that you don't need any starters. So today is one of those days. So there's no starters, brothers, okay, for those of you who like your appetizers. And there's no desserts as well because our main course is quite heavy today, inshallah. Um, so without any further ado, so we've had two sessions on the story of Prophet Adam alayhi salam. Let's continue. And we left off here that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, after creating Adam alayhi salam, Hawa was also created. We've already gone into that discussion. And then we also discussed how the malaika and the angels were told to bow down to Adam alayhi salam. Iblis refused and rejected. And we went into the reasons of why he rejected and the four elements of kufr. May Allah protect us. Then we said that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala placed Adam alayhi salam and Hawa in Jannah. And the verse is very uh, famous. We all know, وَقُلْنَا يَا آدَمُ اسْكُنْ أَنْتَ وَزَوْجُكَ الْجَنَّةِ وَكُلَا مِنْ حَيْثُ شِئْتُمَا رَغَدًا مِنْ حَيْثُ شِئْتُمَا وَلَا تَقْرَبَا هَذِهِ الشَّجَرَةِ فَتَكُونَا مِنَ الظَّالِمِينَ Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said to them, that, O oh Adam, you and your wife now live in Jannah, reside in Jannah. Eat from wherever you wish. Don't approach the tree. If you do, then you will be committing an injustice upon yourselves. Now, today's whole session is going to be about one thing. Those of you who've seen the poster, you will have seen which Jannah did Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala place Adam and Hawa in. Now, it's quite technical what we're going to discuss. And we're going to go into different opinions of the scholars and look at what they say and the evidence that they bring. At the end of it, we'll come to a conclusion. However, I want to share some lessons and morals that we pick up from this kind of explanation, which ties in well with the times that we're going through. So please do bear with me. The question is this, which Jannah did Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala place Adam and Hawa in? Now, probably most of you, there might be one or two who might have heard anything about this before. For most of us, we, this is not even a question. Is it a question? Like which Jannah? What do you mean which Jannah? What, what other Jannah is there? Okay, so this is why um, I would say the scholars have gone into four different categories when discussing this topic. Four different categories and we're going to go through them now and I'm going to explain to you why. And then at the end I'm going to tell you why we went into this detail. Normally we might not go into so much detail, but as it's the first of its kind that's come now, I think it's appropriate to show what the scholars of tafsir do behind the scenes and they come to these conclusions and bring it to us because sometimes nowadays it's the age of google you could go online and you could come across an opinion about a certain verse of the quran or a story of the prophet and you might think i've not heard of this before and you might see the name of a famous scholar next to it or you might see someone propagating it so how should you navigate yourself when you come across these things is it a big deal would you consider them or oh, you're out of the fold of Islam because you had a different opinion? Um, should, this, should this be circulated? Should we tell everybody about? Inshallah, more on that at the end. So, which Jannah did Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala place Adam and Hawa in? Because we know that they were in Jannah. Everybody knows that. So, there's four, four opinions, I think. Yeah, so number one, the first opinion is the common opinion. That they were in Jannatul Khuld. Jannatul Khuld, when I say Jannatul Khuld, Khuld means eternity. So the Jannah which Allah has promised the believers that once you die and you have Qiyamah and some people will go to Jahannam, others will go to Jannah and that Jannah will be for eternity. Descriptions in the Quran no eye has ever seen, no ear has ever heard about, no mind can comprehend the hadith tells us, the rivers that are flowing, etc. 
Jannatul Khuld. So the first opinion, which is the most famous one, is that they were in Jannatul Khuld. Okay. Now you might think, why are we even going into this? Because there's a lot of questions that arise. For example, if they, if they were in Jannatul Khuld, which means the Jannah, which is for eternity, and Quran Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, that once you go in that Jannah, you'll never get taken out. Did Adam Islam get taken out of there? Yes. If it's Jannah, how did Shaitan get inside? Jannah is a place there is no falsehood. Shaitan lied, there was falsehood. Do you understand? So these questions, we'll all go into all of these in a moment. So this is the first opinion. It was Jannatul Khuld. Number two. The second opinion is that they were not in Jannatul Khuld because of some of the reasons I've mentioned and others as well. And um, they were in a Jannah which was in the heavens. So it's, in, it's a worldly paradise, but it was in the heavens. Okay, in a high place in, in the heavens, Allah had made a special garden for them, which was like Jannah. It wasn't the Jannah. It was like Jannah. And that is where they were placed. And then there's a third opinion that they were on the earth. That Jannah, which means a garden, it was actually on the earth. And then some have even gone on to say that it was in Palestine. Some have said it was in Yemen. And in Yemen in particular, they play, what is a... Um, Capital of Yemen? Sorry, not, not, I'm not talking about the uh, Sana'a, I'm talking about Aden. So it's, it's not the uh, capital. But the, and they take that from Eden, you know, Garden of Eden. Yeah, it's a biblical term, Garden of Eden. So they say, no, that, that is why it's called Aden, comes from Eden, because they say that was the Jannah, and that was made to be like that. And we'll go into the details. And the, the, so that's how many? Three groups. The fourth category of scholars decided to do something which we call tawakkuf, meaning they held back from having an opinion because there's so much confusion. Because when you listen to these evidences, they make sense. When you listen to these, they make sense. And they just thought, hang on a second. It, it, whichever one you believe, it doesn't make a difference to your theological belief in your aqidah, in terms of it doesn't change who you are. It doesn't have an impact on your Iman. It doesn't mean you're going to go to Jannah earlier than the others. Okay? Yes, where it's problematic is the opinion of the Mu'tazila. The Mu'tazila were an offshoot of Islam and they had heretic beliefs. So they believed their actual belief system was corrupt. So they would believe, for example, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala only created good, He didn't create evil. So your response, if you do something wrong, if you do something good, then of course that's from Allah. But, oh, well, no, actually they believe all your actions, you're responsible for your actions. It's nothing to do with the qadr and the taqdeer and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Um, they used to believe things like Allah doesn't know about something until it's done. They also believe Jannah hasn't been created yet. So now you understand why they have to resort to this belief to say the Jannah which Allah speaks about where Adam was, was on the earth. Because Jannah, they believe Jannah hasn't been created yet. Okay? So I'm not talking about the Mu'tazila here. So generally the Mu'tazila are the ones who have this opinion that the Jannah in which Adam and Hawa live was on earth. However, alongside them, there are others also who held this opinion. Although it's not a majority opinion, nowhere near majority, but it is an opinion that exists. And today you also have certain scholars 
um, researchers who look at the evidences and they might say, okay, this, I sort of favor this opinion. And you might come across it and you might get a bit of a shock. So I thought I'll share it with you just so that you get an understanding. So let's go in detail now. So first of all, Jannatul um, Khuld. Secondly, I told you, um, now, let's go into some of the evidences of the first group and the first category. Those who say that it was Jannatul Khuld, meaning that Jannah which is for eternity, that on the day of judgment, Allah will enter the believers into that paradise. Why was it that? Number one, the first reason the scholars say it was that is because when we say Al Jannah, and it comes with Alif Lam in the Quran, um, this is called uh, Al Mahud Al Dhihni, meaning naturally, when you say Al Jannah to anybody, what do, what's the first, which Jannah do you th are we talking about? Which Jannah? Okay, the Jannah of the afterlife. As soon as you say Al Jannah, you know that's the first answer we come to. And looking at the Siyaq and Sabaq, meaning looking at the verses that come before this ayah and before this story and afterwards, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is already talking about that Jannah. And it's important to have, take things into context. If you take something out of context, then you can't understand it. Quranic verses, a lot of people take them out of context and oh, look what it says. Well, what's before it? What's after it? What's Allah? So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is already talking about the Jannatul Khuld, the Jannah of eternity before that. And then he goes into the story of Adam alayhi salam. And then he makes mention of Jannah. So immediately, so the first group of scholars, they say that it's obvious. Allah is talking about Al-Jannah. It refers to the Jannah, number one. And... Also, we have one of the strongest dalail and proofs is the hadith of Sahih Muslim when Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is going to gather all of the believers on the day of judgment. Jannah will be drawn closer to them. So they will all come to Adam alayhi salam. The people will say, Ya Abana, O oh our father, istaftih lana al-jannah. Get this door of Jannah open for us. Okay, you are our father, we've come to you, you sort it out, go to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, ask him to open the gates of Jannah for us. For Yaqul, Adam alayhi salam will respond to the people on the day of judgment, Wasn't it the mistake of your father that took you out of this Jannah? So this is the strongest dalil and evidence of the first group of scholars because Adam salam is categorically saying at that Jannah he will say that wasn't it the mis he didn't say a Jannah on earth or a Jannah in the heavens he's talking about the Jannah on the day of Qiyamah so this is the first evidence secondly uh, so that was the second evidence sorry number three again in the Sahihain in Bukhari and Sahih Muslim we have an interesting incident where a debate took place between Adam salam and Musa salam. So Adam has passed away a long time ago. Musa -Islam had a debate with Adam -Islam. Either Allah revived Adam -Islam, Musa -Islam may have traveled to his grave, or maybe it was a vision. However, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala wanted it to happen. It's in Bukhari and Muslim, where Musa -Islam went to Adam -Islam, and he basically said that, you know, why did you eat from the tree? You were forbidden from the tree. Because of you, we had to come out of Jannah. Wasn't it you who caused us to do this? And Adam salam basically won the debate because he said that at the end of the day, it was the qadr of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. You can't blame me. You can't blame me for it. It's, what is done is done and don't blame me. The idea over here is, 
is if it was an earthly garden which was being referred to, then Musa Islam wouldn't complain and wouldn't have said, well, because of you, we got taken out. Well, you were already in the earth. Why would he complain? So that is number three. Number four, Adam salam, when he will say to the people, uh, wasn't it the mistake of your father Adam salam, that took, uh, took us out of Jannah, took me out of Jannah, took you all out of Jannah? Uh, it, at the end of the day, we know that it wasn't a garden of the world. He, by eating from a, 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 a tree, forbidden tree, he, it wasn't a garden of the world that he was referring to in this particular hadith. Similarly, in Surah Al-Baqarah, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, وَقُلْنَا يَا آدَمُ اسْكُنْ أَنْتَ وَزَوْجُكَ الْجَنَّةِ وَكُلَا مِنْهَا رَغَدًا حَيْثُ شِئْتُمَا وَلَا تَقْرَبَا هَذِهِ الشَّجَرَ فَتَكُونَ مِنَ الظَّالِمِينَ فَأَزَلَّهُمَ الشَّيْطَانُ عَنْهَا فَأَخْرَجَهُمَا مِمَّا كَانَا فِيهِ وَقُلْنَا اهْبِطُوا بَعْضُكُمْ لِبَعْضٍ عَدُوٌّ وَلَكُمْ فِي الْأَرْضِ مُسْتَقَرٌّ وَمَتَاعٌ إِلَى حِينٍ Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, once they ate from the tree, Allah said that قُلْنَا اهْبِطُوا مِنْهَا قُلْنَا اهْبِطُوا بَعْضُكُمْ لِبَعْضٍ عَدُوٌّ Descend down. Descend down. Now you've eaten from this tree, right? I have to take you out. اِهْبِطُوا جَمِيعًا All of you now descend. Now, the descending how would it happen? If they were already on the earth, what, where would they descend from? Where would they descend from? Again, this verse shows us that they were in Jannah and they were told to descend and come down from there and come out from there. And similarly, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, وَلَكُمْ فِي الْأَرْضِ مُسْتَقَرٌ For you on earth now, there is a time period where you're going to stay. Shows that before that, they were not on the earth. If there were was a garden on earth, why would Allah say to them, وَلَكُمْ فِي الْأَرْضِ مُسْتَقَرٌ so this is also another part of the evidence. Number five, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, when he described Jannah in the Quran and told Adam Islam that you're going to stay in Jannah, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said, Inna laka alla fiha wa la ta'ara. Oh Adam, you live in Jannah. Okay, when he initially placed him in Jannah and he said to him that you will never become hungry and you will not become naked in here. Similarly, وَأَنَّكَ لَا تَضْمَأُ فِيهَا وَلَا تَضْحَى You won't become thirsty and you won't need any shade. You won't swelter in the heat. These are qualities of Jannatul Khuld. If they were in the world, okay, the world doesn't have these qualities. You do become thirsty. You do need shelter and shade from the sun. You do become hungry. You do need clothing. So these were some of the dala'il, we call them, proof and evidence of the first category of scholars who say, the Jannah in which Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala placed Adam and Hawa was Jannatul Khuld. The Jannah of eternity in which Allah will enter the believers into in the hereafter. Let's look at the second category. Those who say that the Jannah in which Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala placed Adam and Hawa alayhim as was not the Jannah in which believers will remain in for eternity. It was another Jannah. Either it was in the heavens or it was on earth. Why are they saying this? Why are they saying this? They are saying this, again, they have many proofs as well. Um, one, number one, the first thing they say that that Jannah, people will not enter into there until Yawmul Qiyamah. It is going to be after Qiyamah where Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is going to decide who goes to Jannah and who goes to Jahannam. Therefore, how can it be that they were sent there before coming into the world, having their trial, and then being sent to 
Jannah or Jahannam. Number two, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala describes the Jannah of the hereafter as Darul Muqama, the place where you stay forever. And they didn't stay forever. They only stayed for a bit of time. We're going to discuss that coming in, in, in how long did Adam salam and Hawa remain in Jannah. That's for another session, inshallah. So number three, Allah describes the Jannah of the hereafter as Jannatul Khuld, the Jannah of eternity. And did they remain in there for eternity? No, they didn't. Number four, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala describes the Jannah of the hereafter as Darul Thawab and Darul Jaza, the place where we will get reward and retribution. He did not call it Darul Taklif or Darul Amrin wa Nahi. Isn't, Allah didn't say that Jannah is a place where you'll get commands and you get restrictions. And as soon as Allah entered them in there, Allah gave them one command and one prohibition. Fakulu, eat from wherever you want and don't eat from the tree. In Jannah, when a person goes into Jannah, will there be any responsibilities, any commands to follow? No whatsoever. Some of you are getting convinced to the other side already. Okay, I'm doing this on purpose so you understand sometimes the evidences can be very compelling. What do we do? As lay people, you come across it and you might think it could be a sheikh who you admire as well. And they might say, look, there's all these evidence. What do you do? Okay, and how do you make a decision? What? So it's important that we understand that this is what happens in the background. There are so many evidences. At the end of the session, you're probably right. I'm, I'm going to go with this group. But is it for me to decide which group I just fancy? I want to go with this group now. I want to, I want to choose this scholar now. I want to choose this opinion now. This manhaj looks better. This maslak looks better to me. Is it what I think? Or should I look at those who understood it much better and go with them? I mean, who you trust from amongst them. But we'll come to that in a moment. Number six. Sorry, number five. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala describes Jannatul Khuld, meaning the Jannah of the eternity of the hereafter, as Darus Salama, the place where you have peace. No tests, no exams. You know, exams are stressful. Any test you have, imagine you have a driving test. Probably one of the most stressful things in your life that day that you have your test. So, and the fact that Adam al-Islam, was it peaceful for him in there or was he tested? It was a huge test that was. So again, they say because of that, such a great test as a result of which he didn't pass in that test and then he had to come out of there. That can't be Jannatul Khuld. This is what they're saying. Number six, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala described Jannah as a place where he will never be disobeyed. And we find that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala tells us in the Quran that Adam salam, he ate from the tree. And shaitan also disobeyed Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Number seven, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala describes Jannah as a place there is no khawf, there is no fear and there is no grief. And we find that our parents, Adam and Hawa, they experienced fear and also grief as well whilst they were there. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, number eight, he calls it Darus Salam. Darus Salam, the place where you're safe. Was Adam and Hawa safe from the fitna? No, they weren't. Number nine, Allah calls it Darul Qarar, the place where you adopt residency forever. And were they able to stay there forever, long term? No. Number ten, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, once the people of Jannah enter Jannah, وَمَا هُمْ بِمُخْرَجِينَ They will never be taken out. Were they taken out? Yes, they were. Number 11. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says it's a place where you'll never feel any kind of worry, pain, tiredness. 
Whereas Adam salam, when he ate from the tree, what happened? He became exposed. His clothes came off. There was a nur which covered the private areas so that they hadn't even seen their own private areas before. This nur vanished. The nur that was covering their private areas also vanished. So he became totally exposed. When he saw himself, he was scared. So he began to run. This is in the hadith. He began to run and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, Adam, where are you going? Are you running from me? And Adam says, no, Allah, I'm ashamed of you. I'm ashamed of what I've done. I'm ashamed of you. And we've been told Jannah isn't a place where a person will be ashamed or worried about anything. It's a place, place of peace. Similarly, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala tells us, this is number 12, that la laghwun fiha wa la ta'theem. Jannah is a place there will be no falsehood in there and there will be no sin in there. Whereas Adam salam heard the falsehood and the sin of shaitan, Iblis, didn't he? Number 13. Uh, Allah tells us Jannah is a place nobody will ever hear any kind of lies. And Adam heard the lies of Iblis. What did Iblis say? Wallahi, I take the custom of Allah. You eat from this tree, you live forever. I'm a well-wisher for you. I'm so sincere in giving you advice. And he lied and he heard the lies. Whereas Quran says in Jannah, there will be no lies. Similarly, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has named Jannah as Maqa'ad Sidq, a place of truthfulness, a place of truthfulness, whereas Iblis lied there and he promised, made a false promise as well. Number 15, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, when creating Adam alayhi salam, what did he say to the malaika? Inni ja'ilun fil ardi khalifa. I'm making my khalifa, my deputy on earth. So these ulama, they say, he didn't say, I'm making my deputy in Jannah. I'm making my deputy on the earth. And then the malaika said, So if Allah is creating on the earth, what was he doing in Jannah? So again, this is why they are saying that that Jannah was, Jannah means garden in Arabic. So it was a beautiful garden on earth. That's what they're trying to say. Number 16. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala tells us in the Quran that Iblis said to Adam alayhi salam, Hal adulluka ala shajaratil khuldi wa mulkilla yabla. Oh Adam, when he whispered, when he whispered, what did he say? Adam, shall I tell you of a tree that if you eat from that tree, you will re remain forever. You will always stay alive and you will get such kingdom that will never expire. It will never expire, never corrode. Adam Islam got excited. Yeah, yeah, of course, I'd, I'd love to stay in Jannah forever. Now, the, the ulama, they say, if Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala had placed Adam salam in Jannatul Khuld, why would he believe what the Iblis said? Because that Jannah is already for eternity. Are, are, are you following? Yeah? Okay, so he would have said, how can you show me something that Allah's already given to me? Allah's already put me in Jannatul Khuld, a Jannah of eternity. If I eat from the tree, how, how will that make me like live forever even more? I'm already in a Jannah that's going to exist forever and ever. This is what they are saying. Number 17, there are many, many proofs they are bringing. Number 17, if Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala had placed Adam salam in Jannatul Khuld. Jannatul Khuld is a very pure place. Only pure people go in there. How did Iblis go in there? Iblis is Rijsun. He is dirt. He is filth. He is the worst enemy of Allah. He is Rajim. He is rejected. And this is after he was rejected. 
he refused to bow, how did he go in there? If he's rejected, he's a, play, he's a dirty person, how did he enter into there? Um, so, that's number 17. 18. These ulama, they also say there is no difference of opinion that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala created Adam alayhi salam on earth. We know that. Yeah? When, he was, when he was created, he wasn't in Jannah. He was created on earth, wasn't he? He was created from the earth as well. So they say that we find a mention in the Quran that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala created Adam alayhi salam on the earth, from the earth. Okay? There is mention of him being told to come down, but nowhere does it say that he was told to go up again from the earth. So this is another thing that they say. And they say that if, that, if, if it was Jannatul Khuld, then we should have definitely found a verse or a hadith saying that then Allah took him up to the heavens. Then, number 19. Another evidence they have is if it was Jannatul Khuld, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala already told Adam salam regarding his age, that he's going to live for a thousand years. If you remember last week, we spoke about the story with Dawud alayhi salam. Um, so he already knew that he's not going to live forever. Uh, and we went into the story, so we won't go into that. Number 20, we know, now th this is what they say, we know that above the heavens, when you go above the heavens, it's not a place where someone who is made of soil, clay, mud would exist. Okay, again, this is like, this is talking very literal sense. Okay, so this is one of the other things that they mention. Of course, by the time it goes up and it goes into a different atmosphere, what would happen to the human body, etc. Number 21. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, وَأَمَّا الَّذِينَ سُعِدُوا فَفِي الْجَنَّةِ خَالِدِينَ فِيهَا مَا دَامَتِ السَّمَاوَاتِ وَالْأَرْضِ إِلَّا مَا شَاءَ رَبُّكَ Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, That the fact that a person who is a believer and goes into paradise, they will remain in Jannah forever. And Jannah is something that will not be taken and snatched away from you. And why was it that if they were in Jannah, they got, it got taken away from them? Number 22, um, we know that Jannah is not a place where you are given any duties. It's a place where you relax and eat from wherever you want. How do how whatever you want, whereas they were given a duty and that was to stay away from the tree. So, a lot of dalail there, and I, I can imagine some of them you can think are quite convincing as well. So let's look at the counter evidence. Uh, what they say to the first group. So this second group are now countering the opinions of the first category. The first category was the ulama who say that the Jannah in which Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala placed Adam alayhi salam and Hawa was Jannatul Khuld. So this second category of ulama who say that it was on the earth, they are now countering and answering their sort of evidence and their proof. What they say, first of all, This issue of which Jannah they were in. 
this is an issue which we can only know from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Somebody can't come up with it in their logic. So they're saying that, okay, fine. You bring us a clear evidence that says that the Jannah in which Adam salam, and Hawa was in was called Jannatul Khuld. Okay, so the first one is quite straightforward. They're like, quite out there. Like, okay, fine. Let's put everything aside. Show us a clear evidence that it's Jannah. Like they want it in clear black and white. It was Jannatul Khuld. I mean, we can give them so many examples. Like we give the example of Adam salam, telling them on the day of judgment at the gates of Jannah. That wasn't it, your father's mistake that took you out of this Jannah. It's very, very clear. Uh, but they're saying, okay, first of all, give me, give us a clear evidence that says it was Jannatul Khuld. Number two, when they say, when we say the hadith of Muslim, that Adam Islam said, wasn't it the mistake of your father that took you out of this Jannah? So they are saying that the, this means that Adam salam eating from the tree that has delayed their entry into Jannah. It didn't take him out of that Jannah. He's saying that that delayed your entry into the real Jannah. Um, so again, he's saying that it was a worldly garden that they were in. And because he ate from there, that made them delay the real entry because then they had to go through the whole of the test. This is what they are saying. Number three. When we are saying Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said to Adam salam and Hawa, minha Now come down. They say it's not necessary that it means coming down from the heavens to the earth. Maybe it was a higher place in the world, a high lofty place. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala created specifically for Adam and Hawa to stay in for a period of time as a test. And he told them to come down from that high place to a low place. So this is number three, what they're saying. Then where Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, وَلَكُمْ فِي الْأَرْضِ مُسْتَقَرٌ وَمَتَاعٌ إِلَى حِينَ They say that it's not necessary that وَلَكُمْ فِي الْأَرْضِ مُسْتَقَرٌ وَمَتَاعٌ إِلَى حِينَ They say it's not necessary that the, they were in the Jannatul Khuld. Again, it could have been a place which was created for them uh, and then they were told to come down from there and then stay in there. So they were already in the world, but this was a worldly paradise which was created for them and it had heavenly qualities in there. Uh, so this is the fourth thing that they say. Number five. We spoke about how Iblis came to Adam salam, and said, Shall I not show you a tree that if you eat from it, you'll remain forever? Um, so they say that, look, living forever mean, can also mean living for a long time. It doesn't mean eternity. Um, so this is one thing that they say. And similarly, they also say that there are many other places in the Quran where Allah mentions Al-Jannah. They don't all mean Jannah. There are some places that mean Jannah, meaning Jannatul Khuld. But for example, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala speaks about the story of the person with two gardens, for example. That is Jannah also. Just remember the word Jannana. Jim, Noon, and Noon. When it comes together, Jannana. Okay, it means something that is hidden, concealed. This is why when there is an unborn baby, we call it in Arabic... Concentrate on the words, on the letters. 
We call the unborn baby Janeen. Janeen. So you can tell the woman is pregnant. Okay, she looks bloated. Okay, her stomach is blown up. You can tell, but you, can you see the baby? No. This is why we call the baby Janeen. An unborn baby is called in Arabic Janeen. Similarly, when a person, a sane person, temporarily becomes insane, what do we call them in Arabic? Majnoon. Again, Jim Noon. Because you can see he looks perfectly fine, but something's gone wrong in there. It's, it's, it's covered up. Okay, his, his faculties of, of his intellect has been covered up. Okay, so we call them Majnoon or we call it Junoon. Similarly, what can you think of any other words like this? Our best friends? Jinn. Okay, Jinn. Can we see the Jinn? Okay, so again, the, the, the Jinn, for example, Jim and Noon. So we have Janin and we have uh, Junoon and we have the Jinn. And same as Jannah. Jannah. You can't see what's inside because it's covered by trees. You know, there's a lot of trees, orchards, branches, and, and leaves. And because of that, you can't see inside. This is why it's called Jannah. So a garden, an orchard, is also called Jannah as well. And this is why Jannah will be called Jannah as well because it is so heavily sort of surrounded with trees that you can't see inside it. So they say that in the world, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala speaks about, in the Quran, sorry, he speaks about Jannah on many occasions. Yes, some of the times he's talking about Jannatul Khuld, but many a times he's referring to a story of a garden. So the, these are some of the things that they have said. Now let's go into the Dalail and the verses of the Quran. The first group of ulama, they say, regarding that it's Jannatul Khuld. Uh, what do they answer? So first of all, they say, how is it Jannatul Khuld? And some of the, the criticism and the questions that arise on these topics, um, what, what, what does it mean? So first of all, they're saying, well, Jannah is a place where you stay in it forever. You can't be taken out from it. How is it that Adam was in Jannatul Khul, but he got taken out? So what we say to them is, okay, don't we believe that the Prophet Wasallam during the night of Mi'raj, he was taken into Jannah in physical bodily form? We say yes, everybody says yes. Ahlu Sunnati wal Jama'ah say yes. Maybe others might not, but Ahlu Sunnati wal Jama'ah believe the Prophet's ascension was in physical bodily form. It was miraculous in the sense of time, but in nature it was done in physical form. It wasn't a dream. Had it been a dream, why would the Kuffar of Quraysh have so many doubts and suspicion? I mean, you can go anywhere in your dream. We go to loads of places, don't we? Yeah? Don't we? Yeah, you can be anywhere, anytime in your dream. It, no one to stop you. But if it was a dream, there was nothing remarkable about it. Everybody dreams. Dream on. But this wasn't a dream. This is why they rejected it. They refuted it immediately. And Sayyidina Abu Bakr anhu earned his title of a Siddiq because he believed in the truthfulness of something that was remarkable, unbelievable, but he believed it immediately. So over here they say the Prophet went in Jannatul Khuld. And then he came out of there as well. You believe that, you should believe this also. Adam salam and Hawa, they lived in Jannatul Khuld, in the Jannah of eternity. And yes, they were told to come out of there. Now you might say, well, you're not supposed to come out of Jannah. Yes, that is after Qiyamah. 
That is after Qiyamah, once you've lived in this world and you've gone through the test and then once Allah has made a decision that based on what you've done here, you go to Jannah, you go to Jahannam, then there will be khulud, la maut, there will be no death and eternity from then onwards. Not before that. And Adam salam and Hawa were placed in Jannah way before all of this happened. Thus, it's an exception. Uh, and so this is the answer they give. And regarding the uh, waswasa of shaitan, again, there are answers given to that as well. So Adam salam was told to uh, come out of Jannah. However, he wasn't sent down to the earth yet. And in between that period, the eating from the tree takes place. So Adam salam, and remember, we also hear so many ahadith that tell us, tell us before the prophethood of the Prophet wasallam, the jinn would go up to the heavens and they would listen to the, they would listen to the stories and the, the news from the heavens and what the angels were discussing and they would steal some of the news and come and share it with the, the fortune tellers. And so there'd be like 99 things which were false and one thing might be true. And that's why people used to believe what the fortune tellers would tell them because there was an element of truth because they would hear it from the heavens. And when the Quran, meaning the prophethood, was granted to the Prophet ﷺ, we hear about the shooting star. As a result of which, whenever these jinn and the shayateen would climb up to the heavens, they would get shot by the shooting star. And that's when they realized someone, something great has happened. Let's go roaming, searching the earth. We hear that the jinn went searching and then they realized, oh, we know why we are prevented from hearing the sky, the real sky news. Okay, why? Is because the Quran has been revealed on the Prophet And a group of them come, they listen to the Quran, they're really impressed, and they even accept Islam as well. So, they used to go to the heavens as well. So this is way back in time before any of this happened. If Shaitan was still there and Iblis was still there and he was able to somehow uh, pass this message on to Adam alayhi salam, we'll go more into that in how that happened later on in the story, inshallah, the waswasa of Iblis. Um, so, so this is another um, dalil which can be mentioned in regards to this. And... If Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala wanted to enter them into Jannatul Khul, the Jannah of Eternity, for a period, uh, for the sake of testing them, it's up to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, and He can do that. And keeping in mind that, again, the same issue is, once Qiyamah is done, then you will have the final decision that is made. Now, we come to the end of this discussion, and to round it up, we have, I said this, four categories. Um, the first is of the Jamhur ulama. Jamhur means this is the mainstream ulama, sahaba, tabi'een, a'imma, general a'imma, most of them, the ulama of the salaf, the ulama of today. So there is consensus almost amongst majority of the scholars who believe the Jannah in which Adam alayhi salam and Hawa resided in was Jannatul Khuld, the Jannah of eternity in which Allah will enter the believers into. Ibn Kathir also is of this opinion. Imam Al-Qurtubi is of this opinion. All of the great Mufassirun are of this opinion. The majority of the ulama of Ahlul Sunnati wal Jama'ah hold this opinion. Regardless of all of these other evidences, they say that the Jannah in which Adam salam and Hawa were in was Jannatul Khuld. So that's that opinion. 
I told you about the Mu'tazila. Now the Mu'tazila, we don't want to deal with them because they have heretic beliefs. Their beliefs are a bit weird anyway. They are not part of Ahlul Sunnah wal Jama'ah. They say Jannah hasn't been created yet. So for them to, they can't believe, it's impossible for them to believe that. However, amongst the Ummah, there have been certain other great credible individuals who did have this other belief that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala placed Adam alayhi salam and Hawa either on a, another heavenly garden or a garden that was on the earth in a high place which had heavenly qualities. It wasn't Jannah, Jannah as say, uh, as, as the hereafter Jannah, but he had heavenly qualities and Allah can do what he wants. Amongst them, uh, from the Sahaba, now again, these are attributions. And sometimes even attributions aren't necessarily correct. Someone could attribute something. I heard so-and-so from Sheikh Abdul Qadir Jilani. Now that might have been written in a book, for example. But maybe he didn't say it, okay? So sometimes you can get misinformation there as well. Attribution to so-and-so isn't correct. But I'm just going to share with you which names normally appear. For from the Sahaba, we have two great Sahaba, Ubayy ibn Ka'ab radiyallahu ta'ala anhu, Ibn Abbas radiyallahu anhu held this opinion, uh, which again is attributed to them that the Jannah was a Jannah on the earth, not Jannatul Khuld. And then again, later on, we have Sufyan ibn Uyayna, ibn Qutayba. Some have even attributed this opinion to Imam Abu Hanifa and his companions as well. Some have. Imam Razi, Imam Abu Mansur Maturidi, and um, Al-Asfahani. These are some of the names which are mentioned of scholars who say that it was Jannat uh, Fil Ardi. It was a garden on earth. And so I told you four opinions. First of all, Jannatul Khuld. This is the majority, mainstream ulama, everybody. This is what we believe as well. Consensus general of the Sunnah wal Jama'ah believe this. Number two, we said it was a Jannah, not Jannatul Khuld. So then they're split into two categories. Some say that it was somewhere in the heavens. And others say, no, it was actually on the earth, but in an elevated place. And then some have gone further into saying it was either in Palestine and some have said no, it was in Yemen, particularly in Aden, taken from the biblical source of the Garden of Eden. Again, there's not much weight in this. I'm sharing with you for information. And then you've got a fourth group of ulama and some have attributed this opinion to Imam Abu Hanifa as well, who say that they have done tawakkuf, no comment. They have refused to comment on it. They will say we'll abstain from having a comment and an opinion because it, the, both sides of the opinions are quite strong. It's not going to impact us. Munkan and Nakira are not going to ask us which Jannah was Adam and Hawa in. Was it Jannatul Khul or Jannatul Ard? Okay, it doesn't make a difference. Now, you might think, well, why do you go into all of this? So technical, why did we go into all of this? Now, we don't intend to do this each time a mas'ala khilafiya comes, a mas'ala in which there's difference of opinion. And believe me, there is a ikhtilaf in everything. Okay, like the Sheikh Rahmatullah when we sit in the Talim in Fadailul Amal, the Sheikh Rahmatullah in I think in the virtues of Salah, he says that just he goes just from the beginning of Salah till the end of Salah, there's probably more than 200 Masail in which the Aimma have ikhtilaf. More than 200. Those so say Zaid, he says, Masail, now. That is normal. A lot of us, I think we're living in a time where we've become very um, intolerant. 
We don't have a, a, a big heart. We don't have space. We are always trying to section, group off, and cut off people, and write off people, and say, like, okay, like, if you believe that, I, I, you can't be from me. I can't even make salam to you. And we take things to another level. So the reason why we've gone into all of this is a few things I wanted to share before we conclude and I just give you uh, some information regarding what's coming in the next session. So a few things we can learn from this ikhtilaf and this discussion that we've had. Alhamdulillah, we believe all of us that it's Jannatul Khult. This is the uh, aqidah and the belief of majority of the scholars, our pious predecessors, etc. Alhamdulillah. So there's no need for us to now go home and say, oh, look, I, you know, this is, um, I, I'm starting my own group now and the, the heavenly earth kind of thing party. You can imagine somebody, you can imagine somebody. Now, I ask you now, why would somebody now take this issue, they might come across this on Google somewhere, that there are certain people in the ummah who held this opinion. Now this, you'll understand now how some of these groups emerge. And this is happening a lot today. So it's good to have this understanding. Can you imagine somebody going, right, after hearing this, thinking, right, you know, this is like a, uh, a discovery, right, light bulb moment, discovery, right, let me go and start off this, he won't consider it to be a movement as such, but with this opinion now, he wants to go and become famous, because it's a very famous Arab say, Arabic saying, that oppose and you'll be recognized, if you do or say something which is against the norm, yeah, they say no marketing, no publicity is bad publicity, they say that, don't they? No publicity is bad publicity. Some people, and nowadays social media, you can see people are doing all sorts of things. Okay, the most weirdest things. Look at these TikTok videos. People are doing all sorts of things. They're not ashamed, but they're becoming famous. Anything to become famous. So why did some of these things appear? Why did people fabricate hadith? I mean, can you imagine fabricating a hadith? Saying something that the Prophet didn't say, Knowing that he sallallahu alayhi wa sallam said that whoever lies and associates a lie to me and says he said this whereas I didn't say it, they should They should prepare their abode in the hellfire. Why would someone do that? And people did it and people are still doing it. There are many reasons. Sometimes people would do it to assist and aid and give strength to their own party, to their views. I hold a certain view. I hold a certain opinion. And I want to defeat the opponents. I want to show that you guys, the guys who do 15 degrees, for example, you're wrong. So I fabricate and make up a hadith. And the Prophet ﷺ said, when you have Ramadan, fast on 18 degrees. <laughs> I just made that up, by the way. <laughs> so I'm just giving you an example. And you will find many a hadith are fabricated. And you think, why would somebody fabricate? That's one of the reasons. Sometimes people fabricate it to become famous. Okay? No one knows who I am. I'm a Mr. Nobody. No one's listening to what I've got to say. Let me make something up which no one's ever heard before. Okay? It sounds really interesting. People will think I'm a genius and I'll become famous. And unfortunately, this is very common nowadays. These kind of opinions which I've just shared with you regarding which Jannah. Now, if I didn't mention it, maybe you probably might have not come across it. Maybe you would, maybe you wouldn't. You know what? Things like this exist. There's loads of things like this. Okay, you might find the handful of Sahaba who had a different opinion to other, other Sahaba. Ibn Mas'ud had a different opinion regarding certain verses of the Quran, for example. There, there are so many things we can go into, but it wasn't the mainstream. Not everybody agreed with it, and that's fine. You have that. But then for someone to hold on to that, 
and then to make their night and day's mission to spread that, to confuse people and go and create fitna just so that, that you can become famous. Okay, this is what's problematic. So yes, the great scholar who's just passed away recently, Hazrat Mufti Zarwali Khan, Rahmatullah May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala fill his grave with noor. May Allah elevate him. Great, amazing scholar. Amazing scholar, very knowledgeable. He had his individual opinions. He was known for it. Okay, but we respect him. He's an honorable person. But that doesn't mean he, he was he. Okay, he was he, right? That doesn't mean other sort of lay people should then take from him his only, his individual eyes. We call them the isolated opinions. Every great scholar who's got good research, a thorough understanding, will have certain isolated opinions. It's not the mainstream. Now, if somebody was to only take those isolated opinions, okay, like for example, we've got f loads of people who become famous. Gandhi Saab, for example, Javed Gandhi. Very, very clear example. Very famous in Pakistan. Why would he not be? Why wouldn't he be? From UK, if you send a question, this guy's very famous. I don't want you to go and study him now, okay? But this is very, you, you go online, you've got, he's got thousands and thousands and thousands of followers. Why? Because if you ask him, for example, in the UK, we're in the summer months, our fasts are very, very long. You know, what should we do in this situation? Clearly, he's going to say, oh, in the Quran says, Allah doesn't want any difficulty upon you. Allah wants ease upon you. So instead of fasting in July, why don't you fast in February? This is what he'll say. He's saying that. He said that. Okay. That's one example. And he'll do that with everything. And he'll back it up with Quran. This is the thing. He will use Quran. And I've just given you an example where we use Quranic verses to show you. And even you were thinking for a moment, hang on, was it really Jannatul Khuld or was it on earth? So at the end of the day, no matter how many evidences they bring before you, we follow the authentic scholarship which has been coming from uh, period after period with reliable, authentic sources. Very, very important. So this is one of the things. You get people nowadays coming up with different, different masail, different issues. And one of the reasons is no one is listening to them, so they want to become known. They want to become famous. This is very, so we should be aware. We should be aware. Number two, there are valid opinions like, for example, this one. It does exist. If there is a certain scholar who's of a certain caliber, of knowledge, of understanding, of depth, of taqwa, and he does come up with something which is not the norm, as long as he's not sort of promoting it to everybody and this is all he's discussing and he's just spreading this isolated opinions and shahs, those things which are rare things and spreading those opinions, then at the end of the day, that doesn't mean we should lose respect for somebody just because they have an opinion that differs with other great scholars. Okay, so that can happen. So this is something because, you know what? No, nothing is new. All of the things that you hear, they've all been discussed before. Thousands of years of scholars, of scholarship. You'll find all of these opinions. Somebody must have had some opinion. Okay, so if a scholar does differ with somebody else, that doesn't mean that we discard them. We take the good from them. And as long as they're not promoting these isolated opinions all the time, it's just something maybe they said, okay? They're not making a whole you know, discussion out of it. They're not going on about it all the time. They're not confusing the people. Then it's fine. And thirdly, what I wanted to mention is these differences of opinion, 
that don't impact your aqidah, your belief, especially regarding things like the timings, the salah, the fasting, things like that. We shouldn't fight over them. It's sad today that today we've made these issues into such serious things. Sahaba radiallahu anhum, they were so great, but their differences, some of their differences led them not just to having a verbal argument. They went into battle. They went into full-on battle. We had the greats of Sayyidina Aisha radiallahu anha on one side, Sayyidina Ali radiallahu anhu on one side. Great, great Sahaba. And the differences became such that it wasn't something small. Thousands of people lost their lives. There was bloodshed. It went into battle. However, it was for something that they believed to be correct. But as a result, it didn't give them and they didn't sort of think this is a license for us now to speak ill of the other party. There was a lot of love. There was a lot of unity. There was a lot of respect and honor. And you'll find so many statements. You'll find so many statements that each of them, you know, we find in, in one particular Sahabi, you know, he would go and perform salah in, in, on one side and then he would come to eat on the other side. So you, you find that as well. I enjoy the food better there. And I, find, I enjoy the salah better here. So you can see, and even amongst the Sahaba, when sometimes they did do different things, there was no fingers pointed at each other. Sahaba said we were traveling, uh, you know, we would travel on some occasions. Some of us would be fasting and some of us wouldn't be fasting. And as you know, when you're traveling, you've got a concession. You don't have to fast. Yeah, you can if you want to. But if you think the travel is going to be, this is Sharia travel, by the way. Um, so if you're traveling, Quran says, Ramadan I'm talking about, you can make it up later on. But if you fast, it'll be even better for you. Some would fast, somebody, some wouldn't fast. This hadith of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa said, Laysa min al-birr as-siyamu fi safar. It's not a good thing to fast whilst you're traveling. But on the other side, Quran says also that if you fast, it'll be better. So some would fast, some wouldn't fast. The main point is this, the Sahaba say, nobody would criticize each other. The fasting people wouldn't criticize those who are not fasting. Those who are not fasting wouldn't criticize the ones that were fasting. Similarly, we have every Ramadan, the issue arises regarding the moon sighting, regarding the Salah times, regarding the degrees. Now again, it's not for you and me to discuss. This is nothing new. Just like these Masail are not new. These are old Masail. They've been going on for years and years. Let the people who are discussing and debating this, let them discuss it. We have respect and utmost uh, honor for the ulama, for the scholars. And we carry on. You believe one group to be correct? That's fine. Go with them. The one you trust, the scholars that you trust, you follow them. You find doing Eid on a certain day, you, you listen to what they had to say and you're convinced. You follow that. You want to do the other one? Trying to get everyone together and uniting them. Well, if they believe so strongly on what they're believing in, you're not going to. It's, it's not practically possible. You cannot bring it together. I know, we're all, I, I, you know I'm killing your hope over here. You might think this guy's a killjoy. You know, we're all working for unity. Well, unity today doesn't mean we hold each other's hands. Because two, we're all different. Not everybody's going to see the way you're seeing. And that's fine. Amongst the Sahaba, the best of people, the cleanest hearts, Okay, they didn't see eye to eye on a lot of things, on a lot of issues. That doesn't mean that, you know, they had to all be in one room doing the same thing. No, unity today, I believe, is that every group, every party, every jama'ah, every jama'iyah, every organization carry on doing the positive work that they are doing, supporting each other and respecting each other. Don't come in anyone's way. 
and you carry on doing the good. This is the unity for today. Expecting everybody to come together to hold hands and every, you know, Hamara Quran ek hai, Hamara Kaaba ek hai, Musliman sirf ek nahi. Well, that's not going to happen. That is not going to happen. The Prophet ﷺ even prayed for this. That make the Ummah one united. And he, he was told that that is not going to happen. The Ummah is not going to be united. So we have to look at it from a practical perspective. And us being united means that we carry on doing the positive work that we are able to do with the tawfiq of Allah. And we honor each other. It's sad to see in every party, in every jamia, in every organization. Tabligh, for example, we've had a disaster. It's an absolute disaster what's happened. And it's so sad and it's becoming worse and worse and worse. There's a split. And it's not just in Tabligh, everywhere. And it, 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 we, we take this so seriously at times that we're not willing to make salam to each other. I mean, is it that serious? You're actually considering the other person worse than a disbeliever. With a disbeliever, you'll say, please, you'll say, thank you, you'll welcome them. But your own Muslim brother, just because this is, again, it's nothing to do with Iman. You're not going to get in questioned in the grave. Did you follow Nizamuddin or did you follow the Shura? Okay. Did you do Raf'ul Yadain or you did, didn't do Raf'ul Yadain? Something as simple as Raf'ul Yadain and Amin Bil Jahar, for example, people make a fight out of that. Whereas these things are not even wajib. It's preferable. One Imam says... Imam Abu Hanifa prefers it's better that you say Amin quietly. The Shafi'iyah prefer the Amin said loudly. If a Shafi'i said it quietly, will his namaz be broken? No. If a Hanafi was to say it loudly, will something happen? No, it's not so serious that your salah is not valid. But sometimes we hold on to these things. My question is, how can you hate somebody because of the deen? This is what's happening. We're, we're hating people because of the religion. It just doesn't make sense. We're breaking off with people and we don't say, okay, you, you have a mas'ala. Someone does, in one, nowadays, before it was, you know, okay, you are from our masjid, we did Eid on one day. If you're from another masjid, you did Eid on another day. Now we have within our own masjid, our own maslak, we have people celebrating Eid on two days. Okay, but does that mean that you stop talking to each other? because of an Islamic ruling that they chose to follow. No, that's just so un-Islamic. Which Islamic ruling are you following that is making you do something so un-Islamic that your entry into Jannah is jeopardized because you've stopped talking to somebody. And the Prophet ﷺ says that you're only allowed, if you have a fallout with somebody, okay, you're allowed to stop talking to them for three days. This is talking about like your own brother or your own sister or your own uncle or your own auntie. Uh, we're talking about uh, severing ties. And this is happening within families, your close family members. Yeah, you have a fallout with somebody else. I mean, that's up to them. If they want to talk to you, you don't want to talk to them. You make salam to them, that's fine. But we're talking about family members between whom ties and relationship is necessary. Somebody stopped talking to their uncle, their dad's own brother. Why? Just because they do eat on another day. I mean, is that, does that make sense? Okay, somebody stopped talking to another friend of his wife just because he chose to raise his hands in the salah or say Amin loudly or put his hands in a certain way. I mean, how can you hate somebody and cause a split based on an Islamic ruling which doesn't have an impact? Will you put your hand? Yes, there is a way, there's a method. It's better we stick to the method that we've been taught and you rely on the scholars. If somebody holds it there, there, it, it, it's not a reason to cause a dis division. 
and have enmity in the hearts. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala give us the love for each other. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala keep us united. I conclude by mentioning, so that was that discussion and a few lessons which we take from there. Now, just to give you an idea of what's coming and what we're going to discuss. After Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala placed Adam salam and Hawa in Jannah, now you're going to say, which Jannah was it? Okay, so Jannatul Khuld, okay, that's what we believe. Um, and he told them not to eat from the tree, simple, okay? You can eat from wherever you wish, don't go near this tree. And what happened after that? So Adam salam and Hawa are in Jannah, and we find, فَوَسْوَسَ إِلَيْهِ shaytan. Shaitan made an evil suggestion to Adam alayhi salam, waswasa. We'll talk about that more in the next session, inshallah, regarding what is a waswasa and how to protect ourselves from the waswasa. So he made him an evil suggestion. What did he say? Qala ya Adamu, hal adulluka ala shadaratil khuldi wa mulkil la yabla. Shall I not show you of a tree of eternity and a kingdom that if you eat from this tree, you will remain forever? And also, Allah will give you a kingdom that will not decay. It will never end. So now, do you know all these blessings that you've got in Jannah? Do you want them to stay forever? So he was deceiving him. He deceived him. He tricked him. Okay. Adam salam was naive at this time. Okay. A believer is gullible. A believer is naive. And this is what the Prophet wasallam tells us. Where a shaitan, okay, this was taghreer. This was deceit. This was forgery and this was lying, blatant lying. And not only did he do this, he took the qasam of Allah. A believer is naive. If somebody comes to you and he says, Wallahi, brother, qasme, okay, maki qasam, he gives you so many qasams to tell you, this is original, brother. You know, in the beginning, you might doubt the guy, okay, but when he gives you all these qasams, are you going to doubt somebody? Okay, if you're a simple person, you won't. If you like him, okay, okay, you're gonna doubt him, okay. Even if he says qasam, you're not gonna, you're not because you're like him as well. And this is exactly what happened over here. This is the example the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam gives. What did he say? He says qasme, qasme, bro, Adam, bro, qasme. Look, let me tell you something. Inni lakuma lamina nasihin. Do you know me? Wallahi, brother, I am only a well-wisher for you. I wish you. He, he. This is what he did. He deceived him. And he took Allah's name and he said, I am only a well-wisher for you. So then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, وَقَاسَمَهُمَا He gave them qasams. إِنِّي لَكُمَا لَمِنَ النَّاصِحِينَ He deceived him, he tricked him. And the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam says, الْمُؤْمِنُ غِرٌ كَرِيمٌ وَالْفَاجِرُ خِبٌ لَئِيمٌ A believer is naive, gullible and kind. A believer, you get tricked easily because you don't know all the ins and outs of all how the people do trickery in the world. So if somebody comes to a, a, a believer, a true believer, okay, you're naive, you, yeah, yeah, okay. Because your concern is more akhirah, it's more deen, you're more religious, you're more focused on doing good things and helping. You, you've not seen the world and how people trick each other and all the fraudsters and all the scums and everything. Uh, you know, uh, you, you get this email coming from, you know, someone from Nigeria wants to transfer to you so many millions of pounds. Okay, people fall for it. Simple-minded people, naive. Okay, first of Musallis, a lot of them, they will have had this experience. Ask them, ask some chacha when they go home, uh, when you see them. Ask them and they'll tell you, yes, I've done this before. Whereas the rest of us, you know, we, we know before, before the email comes, we know exactly what to check and what to see. Whereas a lot of these elders, when they're new to the email, they don't know what's happening. They probably fell for these scums. 
So, al-mu'minu ghirrun kareem. A believer is naive, gullible, and kind. Wal-fajiru khabbun la'im. The Prophet ﷺ says, the fajir, the disbeliever, the munafiq, he is conniving, cunning, conniving, and very mean. The total opposite. So they know all the tricks of the trade and everything. So Adam salam uh, was told that I swear by Allah, uh, you know, and I am, I've got really, I'm a well-wisher for you. I swear by Allah. For what happens? Allah says that Iblis misled Adam and Hawa by deceiving them. He misled them by deceiving them. Adam Adam salam, at this moment, his resolve became weak. And their clothing started to fall off. Adam started getting the leaves from the tree of Jannah and covering himself and covering his aura. Ubay ibn Ka'b radiallahu ta'ala anhu tells us in the hadith of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, in Allah ta'ala khalaka Adam rajulan tiwalan kathira. Adam was created by Allah, very tall man. And sha'ru ras, he had very thick hair. Ka'annahu nakhlatun sahuq. He looked like uh, a palm tree. Do you know how a palm tree is tall and it's got like, it, it sort of sticks out. So he had this thick hair that would stick out. So when he ate from the tree, His clothing started to fall off and shed off. The first thing that became exposed was his private area. When he saw his private area had become exposed, he started running in Jannah out of fright, out of fear. Um, and he ran. So one of the trees of Jannah grabbed onto the hair of Adam salam. So Adam is running and the tree grabbed his hair and imagine you're running and your hair gets grabbed and he had long tall hair and then he got pulled and when he looked back Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala called him Fanadahu Rahman Rahman said Ya Adam minni tafir Oh Adam are you running away from me? Falamma sami'a kalam ar-Rahman When Adam al-Islam heard the kalam of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala he said Ya Rabbi walakin istihya Oh Allah I'm really ashamed of you not running away from you i'm really ashamed of what i've done i've just realized i got tricked i got misled he lied he took your name i didn't think anybody could lie using the name of allah he took your name and he lied to me now was hawa the reason for adam al-islam eating from the tree this is the question i'm going to leave you with and we're going to carry on from here next session is going to be in regards to this because many religions they associate the original sin to woman they say she was the cause of evil and this is why they associate evil you know people are attacking islam left right and center they don't look at themselves these are their beliefs this is what they think that the original sin initiates and originates from the woman that there's evilness in her the shar in her and this is it was her who told adam to eat was that the case or not in the next session, inshallah, next week, we will discuss this. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala give us the tawfiq wa akhiru da'wana. And alhamdulillahi rabbil alameen. Allahumma salli ala Sayyidina Muhammad wa ala ali Sayyidina Muhammad. Kama sallayta ala Ibrahim wa ala ali Ibrahim. Imnaka hamidun majeed. Allahumma barik ala Sayyidina Muhammad wa ala ali Sayyidina Muhammad. Kama barakta ala Ibrahim wa ala ali Ibrahim. Imnaka hamidun majeed. Ya thal jalali wal ikram. Ya thal jalali wal ikram. Ya thal jalali wal ikram. La ilaha illa anta subhanaka inni kuntu minal zalimin. Allahumma habib ilayna al-eeman. Wa zayyinhu fi qulubina. Wa karrih ilayna al-kufra wal-fusuqa wal-isyan. 
وَجْعَلْنَا مِنَ الرَّاشِدِينَ All Allah grant us the love of the Qur'an. All Allah grant us attachment with the Qur'an. Illuminate our hearts with the Qur'an. Illuminate our lives with the Qur'an. Illuminate our houses with the Qur'an. Illuminate our families with the Qur'an. All Allah make the Qur'an our Imam. All Allah make the Qur'an our guide. All Allah guide us through the Qur'an. All Allah make our children Hufad of the Qur'an. All Allah grant us a deep connection with the Qur'an. Help us to live according to the Qur'an and die on the message of the Qur'an. All and with the Qur'an enter us into Jannah al-Firdaus. Subhana rabbika rabbil izzati amma yasifun. Wa salamun ala al-mursaleen. Walhamdulillahi rabbil.